What's up, everybody? Good morning. I want to welcome you to uh, Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, if it's your first time, uh, we are one church. We have six locations, what we call campuses. So let's give a big welcome to all our campuses joining us today. What's up, guys? Great to have you with us. Or if you're church online, Facebook Live, glad you're here. I'm actually surprised so many of you came back. Uh, you know, last week we, we kicked off this four-week series uh, called Love, Sex, and Dating, or affectionately known as LSD. Uh, it's, it's based on a book of the Bible called uh, Song of Solomon. It's actually Old Testament Hebrew love poetry. And we had some fun last week, didn't we? Did you like that? A little Drake, a little wine in church, okay? Now listen, we're going we're gonna to have some fun today, all right? So today we actually have a live on-stage interview with a real-life couple at this church who have navigated these very tricky waters of love, sex, and dating, and they live to tell. Uh, they are married. They're still working on increasing intimacy. In fact, that's our topic today, increasing intimacy in our relationships. Uh, whether you're single or dating or married, I'm just doing my best to try to cast a wide net because I just realized we have people all along the spectrum of relationships. And so I felt like as I was preparing for this series, God really put out my heart uh, to host two special events during this series. The first is this Friday, we're having a young adults coffee house on Friday, February 15th at seven o'clock in Parsippany. This is the day after Valentine's Day. So if you're a young adult, uh, that means like age 18 through your 30s, we want to invite you to come out this Friday at seven o'clock to our broadcast campus. We're going to have coffee and snacks and community. And I'm going to give a little talk uh, with a panel of people on the Bible's perspective on singleness and dating in an age of Tinder, okay? Because the Bible says singleness is a gift, Tinder is not. Uh, so if you're, if you're a single young adult, 18 through 30s, come on out for community with your peers. It should be a fun time. By the way, the reason we say young adults like in their 30s is we don't want guys, you know, creeps like me in their 40s kind of prowling around. All right, you got me, okay. Uh, secondly, last week, I, I mentioned that God put on my heart to host a coffee. For those of you who identify with the LGBTQ community, and that's going to be on Sunday, February 24th, right after the 11 a.m. service, service here in Parsippany, okay? So if you identify with the LGBTQ community, I realize, like just acknowledging this, you may hold a different view than the biblical perspective on heterosexual marriage. That's like what I'm preaching about, obviously, these four weeks. And although here at Liquid, we're committed to a traditional view of heterosexual marriage like you see in Scripture, um, I'm very anxious to learn from you, just to hear your story. And so I want to host a coffee for my LGBTQ friends right after this 11 a.m. service. So if you're at one of our campuses, I'm talking to you, just come to Parsippany this week, and that way I can meet you in person, hear, hear your story for coffee, and we're just going to dialogue. It's not like a, a debate. We're here to listen and learn respectfully and just know how we can encourage you spiritually. Now, just to clarify, uh, this is not for curiosity seekers. You, you, don't, you know what I mean like that? Like, if you're like, I'm straight, but I'm very curious, and I want to see what you guys say. This is for folks who identify lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, Q, plus, all the initials. Or if you are directly impacted by that issue. Like, we have people who maybe their son or daughter is gay, okay? We want this to just be a safe kind of time of just open dialogue where people can just share hearts without, like, worrying, like, who's eavesdropping or judging. Does that make sense? All right, so no straight tourists is what I'm saying, okay? There. All right, so those are two things for you to look forward to on the calendar. We'll have some good coffee. All right, let's jump into God's Word. Uh, open your Bible. I want to turn to the Song of Songs, chapter 2 today. Uh, it's also in the Liquid Church mobile app. You can fill in blank notes there. Uh, just quick review. 
If you're joining us, this is an old, old love story. 970 B.C. is when it was written, about a thousand years before the time of Jesus was, when he was born. And basically, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, King Solomon, he's writing as a young man, and he's describing the story of his love, his courtship, wooing this woman, and marriage to this young peasant girl that he sees working in her family's vineyards. So imagine this, Solomon's out one day, he's rolling in his chariot, right? And he's driving through his kingdom and he sees this girl and he's like, whoa, look at her. And at first we saw the girl is insecure about how she looks. She's right, she's like, don't look at me, my skin is too dark. In other words, I don't look like the cultural standards of beauty of my day, she's insecure. So this is a very realistic story. But Solomon says, no, 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 no. That's not how I see you, my darling. In my eyes, you look like a horse. Remember that? It's a beautiful thing there. Uh, he said, <laughs> it was actually a mayor of Pharaoh. Again, this is 3,000-year-old poetry. Stuff gets lost in translation, so I'm going to break it down for you. But that was a compliment, okay? He was saying that in, in, in my eyes, this young woman he has this dazzling character. Her soul, her spirit has a beauty all its own. And he was drawn to her carazzo or character. And it's interesting because what we see, God gives a whole book of the Bible to love, sex, and dating. And what we find is, in his eyes, the relationship begins from the inside out. It begins at the level of the spiritual, the soul. And then it moves out to the emotion. There's tender words and there's feelings exchanged. And finally, there's physical attraction. So in other words, according to the Bible, godly romance begins from the inside out at this bedrock level of the soul before it goes to the physical. Now in 2019, it's just the opposite, right? Our culture is obsessed basically with physical appearance, but remember, Solomon is the wisest man in human history, okay? So this is a model for us to imitate. I want you to think about that. In the middle of your Bible, God says, I want a whole book devoted to the art of, of love, sex, uh, romance, marriage. And so you gotta understand, guys, God says you got to have a different standard of beauty. If you want a healthy relationship that's not shallow or fake or plastic, but one that's authentic and actually deepens over time. So here in chapter 2, we're going to look in right now on these two lovers, these two young kids as their relationship moves from dating to depth with increasing intimacy. Can we all say this word? Intimacy. Now, I want you to imagine... These two kids, it's Friday night, they're in love, they're getting ready for their big date, and the woman speaks first in verse 8, she says this, she says, uh, listen, do you hear it? My lover, look, here he comes. She's like got binoculars, right? She's like leaping across the hills, you know, or mountains, bounding over the hills. Now get this picture, this girl's waiting for her date to arrive, right? She's basically at her window. She's like, he said 7 o'clock at 7-11, you know. And she's like, listen, do you hear it? His 57 chariot is pulling up. Uh, there, there he is, look, here he comes, you know, leaping across Wachung Hills, uh, bounding across the Garden State Parkway, okay? It's his young love, okay? I want you to imagine Pastor Jim and his wife Shauna on their first date, okay? This is Pastor Jim in Essex County, this is senior prom the year 2000. That's amazing, by the way. Just, anybody see the movie Dumb and Dumber? Anybody, anybody just want to? I just, I don't mean anything by that, Jim. But I'm like, that's Jim Carrey right there. It's amazing, right? This is what love looks like, right? 
12 years later, they got two kids and all that kind of stuff. But this is young love. And Solomon is showered, he's shaved, he's got his Drakkar Noor on, you know, and he's cruising to pick up his date. He is excited, and she says in verse 9, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Everyone say stag. Now say stud, because that's what she's saying. She's like, this guy's a young stud. Look at him here, okay? Again, a lot of these like similes and metaphors are from the Middle East, and you don't get it at first. We don't have gazelles in New Jersey, but here's what a leaping gazelle looks like, right? It's kind of like this guy. It's, it's a picture of youthful energy. He's like, I'm here. <laughs> are you ready? I got flowers. We're go- here I come, honey pie, sugar buns, right? And she continues. She says, look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Now, understand, he's not like a perv, okay? Like this isn't, he's a peeping Tom, you know, stalking me. I want you to imagine, young man walking to the front porch, he, he kind of ding-dong, rings the doorbell, he's like looking like, is she home? And the girl answers the door, and here's what it says in verse 10. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and what? Come with me. He's like, girl, we go in some place, okay? He's got a plan. He's got the whole evening. He knows where he's going. He's not just like ding-dong, hey, you want to hang, you know? Netflix, pizza, chill, you know, the whole... No, this is a man with a plan. Everybody say it. Man with a... He's inviting this woman into something to leave the safety of her parents' home and get on his 57 chariot and go with him somewhere. Now, you can call this old-fashioned, you can call it chivalry, but it really is a lost art because we live in this moment of shifting gender roles. But deep down, I think most, Colleen says, she goes, women love a man with a plan. It's called masculine initiative. He is intentionally taking the lead, and he has a sense of timing. Look what he says in verse 11 and 12. He says, see, it's time. The winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. What what season is it? It, It's spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are getting it. Look at you. You're poetry people, okay? It's like Valentine's Day. It's like, see you, snow, 50 degrees, flowers out, you know, birds, sunshine, hallmark moment. So he sees their romantic relationship. It's beginning to blossom. He says the fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. You smell that? Love is in the air, okay? That's what's going on here. But I want you to notice something, especially if you're single. Notice something before spring. Winter came first. He says the winter is past. Rains are over and gone. What's winter? Winter is a season of waiting, okay? Maybe you're in a winter right now. You're like, I'm not in a relationship or I just came out of one. But winter is necessary before there's a spring, There's a season of preparation, and on the surface, it doesn't look like anything is happening in winter, but you know what's happening? Deep down, roots are actually growing deeper, preparing. So if you're single, if you're not in a relationship, or maybe, you know, one ended for you over this last year, don't despair. Don't lose hope, singles. God may have you in a season of winter, but he is preparing you for spring. He's growing your roots deeper. Maybe there were mistakes made in your last relationship. And God says, I want to use this season to heal your hurts from the past. He's healing your emotions. 
He's renewing your mind so you can actually get healthy, maybe so that you can fully forgive them and, and learn to trust again. Remember, you cannot have spring without first going through winter. This couple went through winter, and now it's spring. Flowers appear on the earth. The singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in the land. And then Solomon's like in verse 13, he's like, girl, it is time. Are you ready? Arise. Come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. Now, if you look, you'll see this phrase, come with me, three times. Over and over, Solomon's like, come with me, come with me, my beloved one. I remember that, um, you guys remember that song in high school? Come, my lady, come, come, my lady. You're my sugar pie, butterfly, honey baby. No, nobody remember that one? Okay, okay thank you. Oh, 40-year-olds, right, cool. Three times. He's like, come with me. Girls, guys, it's no secret ladies love a man with a plan. A guy who actually has confidence and is intentionally, he has a game plan to grow the relationship from dating to depth. That's the natural progression of healthy, godly relationships. Notice I said godly relationships. I'm not talking about Tinder hookups. I'm not talking about friends with benefits. I'm not talking about one night stands. This is a godly man who is upfront about his long-term intentions. He has a vision for where he'd like to see this relationship go. And that is from dating to depth. If you're taking notes, that's the first point. Healthy relationships intentionally move from dating to depth. Now, how does he do that? How does he go deeper? Watch this. Verse 14, Solomon says this. My dove, he call, he's always calling her, you know, think, my dove is in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Now, this is, again, kind of interesting. Uh, when Colleen and I were in Israel a couple of weeks ago, we actually saw what Solomon was talking about. Let me show you a picture. This is a rock dove, and you can actually see it hides in the cliffs or little caves. They're very shy, timid bird. They typically nest in like the cliff face, so they're kind of tucked into the rocks. And the guy, the idea here, guys, is that your girl, Solomon's like, is like a dove in the rocks. And you got to kind of gently, very gently draw her out. The picture here is a man with gentle words, with soft hands with a tender heart that make it safe for her soul to be drawn out of its hiding place. And it's very easy to mess these things up, right? I mean, for men, uh, some men, right, we make the mistake of being too shy or timid, you know, like kind of afraid to go there with the woman, like, ah, I don't know what to say to her, you know, just share your heart, ah, feelings, ah, you know. And so we stay on the surface, right? We, we're very timid. Remember, she's the dove, not you, okay? Other guys get too aggressive, right? They're like, hey, look, a dove. You know, it's kind of like, come on, we're going hunting, man. We're going to take this. Thing. Like, don't scare her. Don't stalk her, okay? And for heaven's sakes, when you're out on a date, don't, you know, stare at your screen while she's talking to you. Have you ever seen this? Uh, Kyle and I, we go out to dinner at the melting pot. It's like one of those fondue joints. And I literally got up to go to the bathroom. And I'm walking through. And I see all these couples, they're, they're, just, they're not even looking at each other. They're just sitting at their tables going through their feeds just like this. Not even, like this is their big night out fondue. And they don't even make eye contact. It was so sad. Like that is a huge problem today. There are so many screens and distractions and social media. We are creating a generation of emotional invalids. Lousy lovers who know how to text, but don't know how to talk. 
So guys, I want to challenge you on this because I'm challenging myself. Don't be a robot. Don't be, so many husbands, you know, they, they, you know, they say to their wives, you know, all right, I'm going off to work. I'll be back. They're like a Terminator, okay? It's like, and I know you come home and you're all tired from work, but let me tell you something. If you just collapse and you veg in that, you know, seat afterwards, I'm just going to watch, you know, ESPN. What happens? Intimacy dries up. It shrivels on the vine. You can be a good provider and still be a lousy lover. You, you got to engage with the girl. You actually got to talk to her. You got to listen to her. Look what Solomon says. He says, show me your face, not your emoji. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. I'm listening. Your voice is what? Sweet. I want to hear what you have to say. He's talking about the art of active listening. See, in a romantic relationship, there are always three levels of communication. Level one is just cliche, right? That's how we do with, you know, people you meet on the street. Yeah, hey, lousy weather we're having, you know? That's cliche. Level two, though, is the exchange of information. All right, yeah, I heard there's an 80% chance of rain. In other words, this is where a lot of guys like to live. We feel safe with exchange of information. Uh, kind of like, hey, I'm just the facts, you know? But the reality is if you want to move beyond the surface, you've got to get to the level three, which is the exchange of feelings. Yeah, it's raining. You know what? Rain makes me sad because this it reminds me of um, the season that my grandfather died. I was only 15, and we were very, very close. And so whenever it rains, it kind of makes me sad because I, I think of his passing. Whoa, <laughs> that's a deeper level. See, if you want to increase intimacy in your relationships, you actually have to dive deeper in your conversation. Move beyond cliche, beyond exchange of information, to the honest, uncensored sharing of feelings and emotion. And that takes time. I remember after Colleen and I started dating in college, um, we would often uh, kind of rendezvous at the Olive Garden. Uh, it was like it just come out, it was like, woo, Italian, not really, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd go, why do we go to the Olive Garden? Because for five bucks, you got all you could eat breadsticks and refills on salad, okay? We were poor college kids, but I was in pursuit of that girl. I wanted to draw her out of the clefts of the rock. So we'd, we'd bring our books, we'd park it at a table, the Olive Garden, and just talk for hours. You know, little, little studying was done, and, and, and I would ask her those questions like, hey, tell me how you feel about, you know, your family. Oh, really? Were you frustrated with that? Uh, tell me what you want to do, you know, with your life. And she would, she'd open up, and she'd start sharing her fears, her her dreams, her hopes, and, and I would reach in and very gently draw her out to get to know her heart, and she would do the same. She'd be like, you're kind of a funny guy, you know, you like to, you, you, what, what makes you laugh, you know, what, where'd you get that from? Is it your dad's shit sense? What, what makes you cry? What, what frustrations do you have with your family? And you know what? The more I shared, the more I realized how safe she was because she never laughed, never mocked, minimized, but she always responded with very empathizing tender words. Oh, one of her favorite phrases, oh, I can relate. My wife is an amazing relational person. See, here's a secret. Most people think intimacy is romance, but it's not. Intimacy is transparency, no secrets. Remember I had you say that word, intimacy? What's it sound like? Into me see. Look inside of me. I'm letting the walls down. I'm opening up. I'm giving you access to the deeper places of my soul, of my heart, of my brokenness, of my fears, of my sins, of my glories. That's how you build intimacy. You open up and you talk about where, where do you feel scared? 
Where do you feel uh, attempted? Where, what, what makes you worry? Where do you feel weak? Where do you feel vulnerable? That's what Colin and I did all those hours at Olive Garden. We'd hold hands, we'd share hearts, and the waitress would be like, are you guys finally ready to order? And I'd be like, more breadsticks, please, you know? <laughs> we put that place out of business, I'm telling you, man. Five bucks, we rented that table for three hours, and the time flew because we were moving from dating to depth. And over time, I, I drew that little dove out of the clefts of the rock with sweet words and spicy salad at Olive Garden. And, and, and I, I reached in and I touched her heart. You know, I thought, I thought, I want to do that the rest of my life. But you know, the problem is, once we got married, I quit doing that. <laughs> I quit doing that. Not, not out of malice, not because I'm a bad guy, but I'm like a lot of men. A lot of men were like hunters, right? Like once we capture our prey, done. And we stop pursuing them. But if you want a marriage of increasing intimacy, five years in, 10, 15, 30 years married, you have to take the time to pursue your partner, to stick close to her. See, there's a big difference between being close to somebody and just close by them. When dating, I was very close to my wife. And then when we first got married, I was like, well, of course we're close. I'm right by her. No, no, no. Big difference. Because here's the deal. You get married and you automatically assume, well, of course intimacy will increase. We share everything, right? We share a house, we share a bedroom, we share a toothbrush, the kitchen, meals, we share everything. And so you think you're close to each other when the reality is you're close by each other and don't communicate anymore. Proximity takes the place of actual intimacy and communication. When we were dating, we would stay up late. We would sometimes meet in the laundry room between our two dorms in college and stay there like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. folding laundry and talking and all that, you know? Now I'm like, did you do my laundry? You know, kind of. And for a lot of married couples, it's not Netflix and chill. It's Netflix and right? We stop sharing the prime cut of ourselves, drawing that dove out of the rocks and doing the hard work of building intimacy. Um, the good news is I kind of had a course correction uh, about four or five years into marriage. I, I, I'm very intentional now uh, in my pursuit of my wife. Our lives, are, look, our lives are complicated. We both work. Our schedules are busy. We got kids. But we have this standing lunch date on Fridays at noon. Uh, Friday lunch, our kids, our, both our kids are in school and neither of us work on Friday. That's like our day off. And so we actually go to a local diner. It's very simple. We catch up, you know, we have simple salad, coffee, nothing fancy, you know, but we, we catch up about like, you know, we, we give the report so we can build rapport. Our feelings, our dreams, our fears, just no breadsticks anymore. That's just how it goes. Uh, but Solomon says, I want to hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. That art of listening is vital to capturing and keeping a woman's heart and making her feel treasured and loved and known. Uh, I got some news for you guys. Uh, women tend to be excellent communicators and they can tell if, if, if the person listening to them is truly interested or not in what they feel and say. So if you're kind of scrolling on your screen uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, while she talks, or you ever do this one where you're kind of, you know, you're out and you're kind of like look, looking over her shoulder, see if you can catch the, the score of the game on the TV over there, you know, kind of fail, okay? Verse 14, Solomon says, your voice is sweet. I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm hearing you. Tell me more. Your voice is sweet. Your face, he says, is lovely. That is a key, by the way, compliments to keeping a, a sizzle marriage. But, man, it's a discipline. You actually have to train yourself in it because it's a deep source of security for the woman. Look how it, you know, you know how this makes her feel about Solomon? Look at verse 3. It says this. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover, 
among the young men. She's like, this guy's special. He stands out. Here's the deal. Apple trees, very rare in the Middle East. And she's like, he is like head and shoulders above all the other guys. This guy is no ordinary player. In fact, the other men are just boys compared to Solomon. He's an apple tree. And then she says, this is awesome, she says, I delight to sit in his what? His shade. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. Translation, I feel protected. You remember when Solomon first sees her? She's a little bit embarrassed because she's outside working getting what? Sunburned. But now she's like, when I'm with this man, it's like sitting in his shade. She feels protected by the presence of this godly man. His words are sweet and his behavior is sweet to her taste. And this is key, my friends, in any relationship that moves to the next level, from dating to depth. It has to go from pursuit to protection. See, Solomon is in transition here. He's moving from the role of pursuer, I'm going to try to get this girl, I want to share with her a life with her, I want to get to know her, to protector. And this is how you know a relationship is actually maturing in a godly way. It actually has a sense and a chance of moving to marriage because when you spend time with a partner, and it increases those feelings of safety and security in, in that person's presence. She doesn't just feel pursued. She feels protected by him. What makes her feel so safe? Verse 4 gives us a hint. She says, he's taken me to the banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. How many have heard that phrase before? His banner over me is love. You ever hear that? Okay. Here's what that is. It's a, it's a military imagery. In the Old Testament... A military banner, like a flag, was used in war to indicate who was under the king's protection on the battlefield. Because every king basically had, a, had, a, had a, a flag, a banner that they waved. It was like a cloth banner on a long pole. And during battle, imagine this, everybody's fighting. It's like hand-to-hand combat. Troops would get all scattered, and they'd be vulnerable. And all of a sudden, they'd go, duh, 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 duh. they'd blow the trumpet, and they'd fly, wave the king's banner, and when people saw it waving, the troops would run under it and reassemble because now they were back under the king's protection. You get it? So as Solomon and his date, they entered the banquet hall, what we would say restaurant, the bar, the cafeteria. <laughs> Solomon waves the banner. In other words, he holds open the door. He lets her go first. She's under my protection. Let me help you with your coat, sweetheart. He's visibly announcing to everybody in earshot, this girl is with me. She is my responsibility. She's under my protection and care. And guys, this is powerful. There is nothing that makes a woman feel more safe and secure than a man who takes the time to wave a banner over his queen, okay? It is a powerful picture of emotional security. It's why I talk about my wife so much. Some of you are like, why are you always talking about Colleen? Because she's the queen, bro. She's my responsibility. And my batter over her is love. She doesn't hold the door open for me. I don't leave her behind in the parking lot, you know, with the kids. I don't, I don't put her down in public ever. I lift her up. Don't mess with the queen. Solomon took his girl to the banquet hall. That was the most visible public place where everybody in the kingdom gathered. This is his family, his friends, people in his royal court, his business. And the idea here is that Solomon was proud of this woman. He was excited to introduce her to his family, to his friends. 
He wasn't ashamed to let everybody know we are in an exclusive romantic relationship that he was gently but intentionally steering towards marriage. So this, is, this moment we're reading, this is a DTR moment. Define the relationship, <laughs> all right? And, and can I just take a time out and just say something here? This is the complete opposite of our culture, right? This is complete opposite. Because today, young men and women are encouraged, hey, keep your options open, <laughs> you know? Uh, play hard to get, you know? No, just sex, no intimacy. Don't commit unless you absolutely have to. Solomon's like, he blows that junk out of the water. He's like, I'm not playing around with this girl's heart. I'm not leading her on. I'm leading her towards marriage. That's my role. I'm taking her to the banquet hall. Meet my parents. Meet my friends. My banner over her is love. Let me ask you this. If you're dating, why, why should you make your relationship public? And the answer is, is because it gives a chance for the people who love you, who know you best, all your glories, all your blind spots to actually give you objective feedback. See, it's in biblical community like church. We're an open to the public relationship. It's not risky. It's actually a safeguard. I'll be honest, as a pastor, whenever I hear that a couple is dating and then they kind of like fall off the map, that's a red flag. That's a red flag because it often means they're either embarrassed or ashamed about something in the relationship. So dating couples avoid isolation He's taken me to the banquet hall where everybody is, and his banner over me is love. What Solomon's saying is that true men make the love of their life feel safe, secure, and protected, affirmed, treasured, cherished at all times, especially in public. So let me just say this to, 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 to married men. I love it when, when you guys fly the flag in the church. When I see couples holding hands, I'm like, awesome. More PDAs in this church, okay? Pro P in fact, if you're married, would you put your arm around your wife right now? Okay, put your arm around. <laughs> Some of you are like, if I do that, she's going to rib me like this the whole time. All right, that's all right. That's, that's fly that flag, man, all right? You're moving from pursuit to protection. And I need to say this. If you're dating, your boyfriend or girlfriend should make you feel safe and secure at all times. I'm going to be super clear on this. If you ever experience any abuse whatsoever in your dating relationship, you don't even have to pray about it. I can tell you God's will. Get out as soon as possible as fast as possible. Because protection does not mean controlling somebody. The Bible has zero tolerance when it comes to any kind of abuse, physical, emotional, verbal, sexual. Godly love never involves being demeaned or exploited. That is detestable in God's sight. And it is not his will for anybody's life, male, female. And I know sometimes I hear people rationalize like, well, you know, my, my boyfriend or my fiance has a temper, you know? It's just he's Italian or whatever is, you know? It's like Mount St. Helens. He just erupts every few months, but he's always so sorry. I know the last time he really shouldn't have done that, but he cried, and it's an isolated occurrence, and he promised, he's told me, he swore, he said it will never happen again. No, no. Counselors agree that abusive behavior rarely disappears over time. If anything, it intensifies. So if you're in a relationship where you don't feel safe or sheltered or protected by the one you're with, let me give you pastoral counseling. Hit the road, God has more for you. You are not called to be their savior. That's Jesus's job, okay? This woman felt completely safe and utterly secure in Solomon's presence. She never experienced threatening or manipulative moments and just loved to sit in his shade. I delight to sit in his shade, his fruit, mm, sweet to my taste. He took me to the banquet hall, we went out to dinner, I met his family and friends, his banner over me is love. All right, time out. 
what does this look like now in 2019 New Jersey? Because <laughs> all it, right, like all this like ancient talk of doves and apple trees and, you know, that's ancient stuff. What does modern romance look like in 2019 right here in the Northeast? Well, to help illustrate that, I want to invite a special couple on stage for a live interview. These are two lovebirds who have navigated the risky waters of love, sex, and dating, and even marriage 16 years, and they've honored God in the process, still work on it. Would you welcome Kyra and Jose, her husband, please? Welcome. Come on out, guys. Great to have you guys. Thank you guys for being willing to uh, kind of join us for the newlywed game. Uh, share a little bit about your relationship. In fact, your relationship began overseas. Jose, tell us how you guys first met. So we met in Puerto Rico. Uh, both of us were uh, born and raised there. And at that time, we were in law school. Actually, I was in my second year of law school when Kaira started. And there was a committee of students that uh, organized an event to provide an orientation for the new students. And I was part of that committee. And the official reason was, like I said, just provide an orientation. But honest moment, the real reason I did it was to check out the new girls. And that's <laughs> when I saw her. That's honest. I appreciate well, your honesty. And I have to say, I was attracted to him immediately. Like, I loved his voice. I thought it was so deep and masculine. I work on that. <laughs> Very. Julio <laughs> Iglesias. Yes. But we, because we were in law school at the time, I always say we had a library romance. He would come pick me up on Saturdays, and we would go to the local library in the law school, and we'd spend the whole day there. So, like, every about every 20 minutes or so, I'd say, I think we should take a break and go make out in the law school. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> a little scandalous. Okay, all right. Listen, let's make out in the law stacks. Amazing. Okay, Jose, how did you know, though, it was getting serious? Like moving from that like initial attraction to increasing intimacy. So at that stage in my life, I had been single for a while and I was ready to enter into a serious relationship. So actually, I prayed about it for quite some time before I met Kaida. And then when I met her, it was just a very natural, no games. Um, it was very organic, and I actually remember a conversation where we were just talking, and I said, oh, you know, when we get married, we should buy a townhouse and then later a house. I wasn't proposing at that moment, and I hadn't planned it, but it just came out, and she didn't bat an eyelash. She just said, oh, yeah, we, that sounds good. So it was very organic. It was so natural because we had already gone through the university. So we were both in law school, postgraduate studies. We were in our 20s. We knew it was real, and we wanted it to be serious. So the winter has passed. Spring, spring came. So we just, let me ask you this, because like we just read, right? So Solomon takes her to the banquet hall, introduces the family and friends. Tell us, Jose, when you met Kyra's parents for the first time. Oh, that was unforgettable because, um, so back then she was living with her parents. Um, I was living with a roommate and one day she uh, invited me to have dinner at her parents' house and I didn't cook back then. I still don't cook. And I, I was in a steady diet of bad microwave food. So <laughs> when I went to her parents' house, her mom was already cooking, preparing this great meal, and I saw that great food. I'm like, praise Jesus, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so while she was cooking, we went to the living room. We were just watching TV, and her dad came from work, and he said hi to Kaira, and without introducing himself, he just said, who are you? <laughs> and, and, but I just stood up, shook his hand, introduced myself, and he asked me some questions, and that was it. Although I always had the feeling that if he would have had a polygraph, he would have given me a polygraph test, just like Meet the Parents, that movie. I think he would have done that, but I, I, I passed the test. He passed the test. 
Kyra, how did Jose in those early days kind of, you know, wave his banner, fly the flag over you, make you feel uh, protected, not like in a possessive way, but emotionally secure? My first memory of that was in law school again. We went to a party, and that was the first time that we spent time just talking significantly, you know, for a long period of time. And when the party was over, he asked me, where's your car, and can I walk you to your car? And I was so taken aback by that simple act because at that time, I have to be honest, I had kissed quite a few frogs and here was this <laughs> prince being chivalrous and walking me to my car. And he, it was endearing to me immediately. And I have to say, he's always been that way. When we were dating, he would always walk me to my car and we would leave, when we would leave the library, sometimes at midnight, he actually would escort me all the way home in his car follow me just to make sure that, you know, nothing happened, that my car wouldn't break down at wow. midnight. And he wouldn't even get down in his car. He'd just wave, make sure I got home, and then he left. Why? So chivalry is not dead. It is not dead. Chivalry is not dead, guys. All right, listen, how did, how did you move, I mean, in that moment, you know, Solomon's in transition, how did you move from dating to depth? Like, without sex, how did you lay this, you know, foundation of spiritual friendship? Because that's really the foundation for any marriage. Yeah, so it was through the church. Uh, back then, Kaira used to go to a charismatic church in Puerto Rico. That's the church where she grew up in. I grew up Catholic, and when we started dating, I just uh, started going to church with her, and obviously after uh, we got married. But as I look back, sh back then she was deeper into a relationship with God than I was, but it helped me go to church with her, attend church events, and that's where I got to know God's Word even better. And at the same time, that uh, helped form a spiritual friendship between the two of us. And again, as I look back, I see that that bond and that uh, spiritual friendship helped us to face the challenges that we face as a married couple because we have uh, two kids. We have a daughter, Gabby, she's 10 years old, and Andy, our son, he's seven years old, and Andy has Down syndrome and ADHD. So you can imagine the challenges that uh, we faced, uh, you know, with a, a kid with special needs. And I will say, like, you know, we read the same devotional. He reads it much earlier than I do. So sometimes he'll text me and say, make sure you read it today. It's really good to what we've been processing as a couple or in our families. Or I'll ask him to pray for me if I have something important mm -hmm. going on and I feel anxious. And he will do that. And it's always been a really cool part of our relationship. So, so how do you like cultivate though that intimacy, that whole idea of intimacy, like being vulnerable and transparent and drawing each other's heart out? Well, you know, it, like anything, it's been a process. We've been married for 16 years, so it's taken time to develop. It's based on trust. And like you were saying earlier, Solomon drew his woman in and Jose has done that for me with kindness. You know, I have been able to bear myself, warts and all. I have shown myself to be vulnerable. I've shared with him things that have brought me feelings of shame, of rejection, mm. feelings of insecurity. And he's never condemned me. And actually, he's been able to speak the truth in love mm. and treat me with grace and compassion. And it uh, goes both ways. I've been vulnerable with her too. I mean, she's seen me cry because to me, it's not about who I want her to think of me, but like who I am in front of her all the time. That's awesome. Well, you guys both lead obviously busy lives. We can relate, right? Two jobs, you're both working, you've got kids. How do you find the time to connect, to rekindle that, 
keep that romance alive after 16 years of marriage. I mean, you just said it. We're extremely busy. We both work full-time jobs. We have two kids. They do a million things. Our child has special needs. We have to take him to the doctor, the appointments, there's bills to pay, things to take care of. It is a drone of obligation that we constantly <laughs> feel that just sucks the romance out of any relationship. And so we know that, so we want our calendars to reflect our priorities, and we make our marriage a priority. We actually have a weekly check-in with each other, which is not a logistical thing of who needs to be where, when, but rather, how are you feeling and what are you processing through things that are happening in our children's lives, things that are happening back home with our families in Puerto Rico. And one of our places to do that is actually Barnes and Noble. We love to read, and so we always go, you know, on Fridays you'll find us there. We take a few minutes, browse this, the books, but then we always sit in the cafe, we order a peanut butter cookie, uh, and we sit, <laughs> and overeating a treat, we just connect with each other. We have a soul conversation. And then we find the last section between book stacks and make out, just <laughs> like in, in law school. So it goes full circle. <laughs> Spoken like a true man there. That's it. Guys, can we thank Kyra and Jose just for giving us a little window in, sharing that. Thank you, guys. That's, that's amazing. You know, I <laughs> that's real life. That's real life right there. I just, and listen, listen. You know, maybe you're here and you're like, man, you know, we don't, we don't have that kind of depth or maybe the, you know, some of the, 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 uh, the sparks have gone out or something. Listen to me. It is never too late to start. God can breathe new life into any relationship. You don't have to make this complex. I hope you have seen this. It's actually quite simple. Go to Barnes & Noble, right? Go to the Olive Garden. You, well, find an Italian place. Go to that. Go there, all right? There's always hope for more, okay? So don't feel downtrodden if you're like, man, 30 years in, that we've lost that, our mojo there, okay? It's funny to me, actually, how Jose, you know, he kind of indicated there, right? Emotional intimacy, what happens? It naturally leads to physical intimacy, and that's how chapter two ends. We're going to end here, last verse. These are the words the woman says, right? She feels treasured, cherished, beloved, affirmed, protected. My beloved is mine. And I am his, like they're increasing possession. Two are about to become one. And he browses among the law stacks. No, among the lilies. Now, what are the, what are the lilies? Next week, I'm going to tell you what the lilies are, okay? Basically, she's like, my garden is open. I want you to come on in and browse, okay? I'm, I'm serious. You're going to see. I'm telling you. Next week, we're going to look in on the honeymoon of this couple and talk about God-honoring sex, okay? We're not talking about just great sex. We're talking about, you know, roof-rattling, earth-shaking, God-honoring sex. And we're talking about it, guys, because sexual desire is not dirty. Sex is God's idea. It's his design, and physical intimacy done God's way is one of his great gifts to his married couples. So you're going to see Solomon and his bride. They're very unashamed about this. They're very open. And here's the last verse. You're going to like this. Some of you are like, that's my life verse. Verse 17, until the day breaks, she says, and the shadows flee. In other words, all the way to the morning. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle <laughs> or like a young stud on the rugged hills. Now, rugged hills in the Hebrew translates to the twin peaks. The chapter ends with her saying, young stud, <laughs> I want you to visit the Twin Peaks all night long. 
And Solomon's like, I'm coming, right? He's kind of like on his way there, all right? Praise Jesus who loves the word of God, okay? That's a, that's a verse for you to remember, okay? Wow. Next Sunday, the art of godly lovemaking. Invite your friends. Kids, don't sit by your parents. Okay. <laughs> Here's, here's your homework. Here's your homework. I give you homework. Did you do it this week? Okay, I hope so. Singles, come this Friday the 15th to our Young Adults Coffee House, 7 o'clock here in Parsippany. We're going to talk about singleness and dating in the age of Tinder. Invite a friend. It's very important for you to be in healthy spiritual community when you're single. And married couples, your homework, I'm like... <laughs> Y'all need to go to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> I'm just saying, all right? I'm going to take call the bookstore. That, seriously, don't let familiarity in marriage breed complacency. If your sizzle has fizzled, repent. Do the things you did at first. Take that girl to the Olive Garden. Go for a walk with that man in the woods. Whatever you did to build that bedrock of intimacy into me, see. Share your feelings. Ladies, be patient with us at times, all right? And then next Sunday, you are going to really enjoy the homework. Okay, let's pray together. <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of love. And Lord, this is a picture, an idealized picture of perfect love. And so in some respects, it doesn't just make us feel a little awkward. <laughs> it makes us feel like this is unattainable. But Lord, your mercies are new every morning. And I'm just praying right now, Father, for the couples who are here. Father, would you just allow this, um, uh, this series to open up a new channel of communication that will allow them to go deeper. I pray, Lord, for our dating couples that they would maintain lives of increasing intimacy and yet purity at the same time. Lord, we ask for new marriages and families out of this. Father, I pray for our single folks, Father, that you are working deep in them. Even though it may be winter, Father God, you are forging roots that are going deeper and preparing them, Lord, for the future that you have already in store for them. Father, we ask that everything in our relationships, when people see us, they may see a little glimpse of Jesus' love for his church because that's what marriage is a picture of. Father, we thank you for sending your son. It's the ultimate selfless act and him giving his life for us so that our sins might be canceled and presented before you perfect, radiant bride. So Father, meet us, I pray, in our imperfections, our flaws, our sins. Give us grace for one another as we receive grace from you. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. amen. Let's give God a praise for his word.